0: Hello and welcome everyone to episode 66 of the App EVs podcast. I'm your host, Chris Rogers, and this week's episode will focus on Aptera news for the period between June 12th and June 18th, 2022, which will be entirely focused on last week's webinar from Aptera. hello everyone i hope that you all had a great week and for those based in the united states i hope that you're having a relaxing juneteenth weekend Uh, this week's episode which i talked about a little bit at the top is going to be entirely focused on the recent webinar from aptera focusing on the updates to their development um, including the new interior and exterior of the gamma prototype It, it featured. Um, Their chief marketing officer, Sarah Hardwick, co-CEOs Chris Anthony and Steve Fambro, as well as their chief of design, Jason Hill, and a few other Aptera staff members in some shorter segments. Um, I would say the, the webinar overall, it answered a lot of questions about where Aptera stands in the process of development. Now, I've done this in the past where there's been a major webinar from Aptera, and what I'm going to do is I'm going to take audio clips from the webinar itself, I'm going to play those clips, and then I'm going to jump into what my main takeaways were um, to those. Um, I, I guess to the, the information that they shared. And so, um, kicking things off, I'm actually going to start things a little bit out of order because I'd like to start with the, you know, I guess what is the a nice summary of the production update of where they stand, and um, you know you know this came out of a conversation that i was actually during the q a portion of the webinar which is at the very end but i'm going to put this up the front before going into the rest of the webinar because i think it provides a nice concise summary of where aptera stands and they have some pretty important updates um, the engineering team is working very, very hard to basically put a pin
1: in the production design. Um, uh, Jason alluded to showing everyone an example of the Gamma vehicle here in about a month, um, uh, maybe a few weeks more to put, uh, to put some polish on it. Uh, but very soon we'll have a representative Gamma vehicle Um, But obviously, uh, I think what people don't realize is the effort that went into building that gamma vehicle and the design for that gamma vehicle was months and months ago. Um, Same thing with beta. I mean, we're out testing beta now, and you saw the suspension team out there, but that vehicle was designed a year ago, um, and then we had to build that vehicle, and now it's actually getting to testing. So it's the same thing with the uh, actual production intent vehicle, the Delta version of the vehicle. Uh, We're trying to put a pin in that uh, Delta version of the vehicle now. It will take several more months to put a pin in that, uh, but we hope to have have that production uh, pre-production vehicle done by the end of the year and we hope to deliver our first pre-production vehicle uh, to somebody by the end of the year and then we hope to scale our manufacturing into 2023 Uh, and I think you know as we see this building fill out with equipment and the other building down the street fill out with equipment I think uh, everybody uh, will kind of fill the momentum uh, that we're looking to scale in 2023 and really start to deliver volumes I think one of the exciting things is um, you know when we first started we first started um it was uh um gosh, if we could get a thousand orders, you know like this is this is you know this could be a real company. And uh, you know, I had my boat company, and I was like, well, you know, kind of takes like three or four thousand before you get any kind of economies of scale. Oh, that'd be great if we got three or four thousand. Well, holy shit, man! And then after like two weeks of pre-orders, we had you know four thousand <laughs> orders, and now we have twenty-five thousand orders. Uh, but we saw this trend, and you know, kind of a year ago, we said, okay, this is not a small production plan anymore. This is not a small-time build, you know, four thousand vehicles a year type of company. This is uh, we need to plan to build a hundred thousand vehicles a year, and how do we get there? So everything we're doing here in San Diego. Is really on the premise of how do we build 50,000 vehicles a year and we started you know really working with our vendors and you know talking about you know what what does the tooling look like to scale to that number uh, and I think we've been executing on that greatly so I think people will be surprised that uh, that even though um, it has taken uh, a bit longer to really execute on first production vehicle and you know even slightly scale once we get to scale it's going to be explosive and we're going to be able to deliver a lot of vehicles very quickly and, so
2: and there's uh, there's some announcements that we haven't made yet that we will be that are really to that point of, how do we transition beyond our earlier thinking to 50,000, 100,000 units a year, and who are the partners that are gonna help us do that? And that's really exciting, and that's, that's what enables us.
1: I think Pablo would attest to the amazing support we've gotten from strategic suppliers um, that uh, certainly two years ago would not have given us the time of day. Uh, but now that we've been able to express, you know, our solar mobility vision to people and we have 25,000 orders, I think people, you know, out in the world, uh, the vendors, suppliers are like, yes, we want to be part of solar mobility. You guys uh, are going to make it and we're going to support you. So I think we've gotten a lot of help from strategic suppliers that, that two years ago just were unthinkable, um, you know, because they were so big uh, and had such scale uh, in automotive. But now we're working with them, they're investing in us, uh, they're giving us support uh, that they aren't giving, uh, you know, other companies, I think. And,
0: you know, I, it's, it's really been cool to see um, how people have been supporting solar mobility, so. now Now that I've played the clip, you can see maybe one of the other reasons why I put it first which is that I want to kick things off with the reveal that they are now at 25,000 pre-orders. They actually crossed this threshold in the middle of the webinar. There was a a pause and there was a fun moment where we got to see everyone react to the news that they had passed that threshold, which is a huge achievement for the Aptera team. Towards the end of April, they announced that they were at 18,000 pre-orders and and in mid-May, they announced that they were at 21,000 pre-orders. And just last week, they said that they were at 23,000. So now that they're at 25,000 pre-orders through the middle of June, they've gone from adding somewhere around, they fluctuated between a little bit under and a little bit over 1,000 new pre-orders a month to around 3,500 pre-orders per month in the last two months. Now, who knows if they'll be able to keep up that kind of momentum, but this is also... Exactly what I hoped would happen and I predicted would happen as they got closer to production. And we're not even there yet. I guess we're about six months out. But for the pickup truck SUV loving people you know, out there, I imagine they look at Aptera and it looks a bit odd. But $29,000 for an EV that goes 400 miles uh, of range on a single charge that you may never pay to charge at all and has great storage capacity there apparently is a huge market for people who are interested in that overall i also really like that clip because you know they're talking about how they're thinking about aptera as a company and their ambitions evolved and changed over time steve mentions that they're targeting just having them have conversations about the idea of 50 to one hundred thousand vehicles made a year that's not something that i ever thought that they were going to get to when i first saw that that reveal video i think in december of 2019 i was pretty excited about aptera as a vehicle but you know i i didn't think that they were on their way to that kind of volume that this quickly you know I thought that there would be a relatively niche audience and within the total vehicle industry or automotive industry 50 to 100,000 vehicles isn't that many technically but you know they this is such a it's a massive achievement in it, and there's a massive amount of growth and I would say I also appreciate it because it provides some context for the reason why it's taken them so long to get in production and that's because They're being thoughtful about the future. They are seeing what the reception is to their vehicle. They're seeing where they can take it, and they're laying the groundwork and the foundation so that they can do that. Now, the next segment is is about, also very relevant, and flows from that, also from the Q&A section, is about the planned regional rollout for Aptera. That's
1: what's in our head now? I think um, everyone will share the sentiment is you know the first thousand vehicle deliveries uh, should probably be as consistent as possible. Uh, so we're obviously building the the 41 uh, kilowatt hour pack first. You know the first. In our heads, first thousand vehicles will be that vehicle. Um, And obviously, we don't want to ship them all around the world uh, right away. We want to ship them close to home so we can support uh, those customers. So, kind of in our head, is the first thousand vehicles, you know, stay close to home. But our our ramp is very aggressive. So, it's not like delivering those first thousand vehicles takes, you know, six months. Um, It's in a couple months we have those first thousand vehicles out the door. And then we can spread, you know, from California out to the rest of the US and then out to the world. Uh, So, we think that by 2024, you know, we'll kind of be a global company. And you know, be delivering vehicles all over the place.
3: Mm-hmm. That's great. Um, so for those people who are contemplating changing their orders, perhaps wondering whether they would get their Aptera sooner if they changed to if
1: you change to a forty-one kilowatt-hour version of the Aptera, you'll probably get your vehicle quicker. Uh, but we certainly understand, you know, the need to move from the four hundred-mile range version to the to the two hundred and fifty and six hundred as quickly as possible because um, you know a lot of people want to those different range options. But the four hundred is our most popular vehicle variant. I think forty percent of our orders are just the four hundred. Uh, or 400 mile range version. So, um, you know, yes, if, if you want yours quicker, you'll still hold your place in line. Even if you change your order, we still will rank you by when you put your order in. So uh, so don't fear if you change, you know, your,
0: your vehicle variant uh, we will still get you, you know, your vehicle in the order that you placed your pre-order. So a lot of people were very interested in this and now you have it, what the planned rollout is for the vehicle, at least in term in Chris Anthony's words, he says how they're thinking about it. If you order a 400-mile range version, you will likely get your vehicle first. In terms of deliveries, they will be starting more locally to their manufacturing base in California, so the first vehicles will be in California before spreading to the rest of us in the United States, and then moving on to the rest of the world for global production. Chris Anthony said that they anticipate that by 2024, they will be a global company delivering everywhere. Now, whether that means that by 2024 they will have delivered a vehicle to every single country where one has been pre ordered, or whether that means they're going to focus on the United States for a certain period of time and then they're basically going to be shipping them everywhere in the world all at once. I, I imagine that it would make more sense for them to go in kind of a more phased approach and likely the first country outside of the US will likely be well before 2024. I guess we'll know more as they get deeper into production and they actually start manufacturing and delivering the vehicles. Chris also said that they're targeting around the first, they're targeting 1,000 customers' deliveries within the first few months. So then that means that the first 1,000 or so people who've ordered an Abtera will see that starting around the end of this year, 2022, going until maybe March, April in 2023. With everyone else in the U.S. starting to get deliveries in the next nine months or so, I guess I'm, I'm hoping. Again, starting with the 400-mile version. I think this this was said in the webinar. I didn't include the audio clip in there, but it was stated at, at one point that around 40% of the pre-orders, I think that's in the Q&A, were the 400-mile version. So there's a, you know, the, I guess a plurality of the interest is in that 400-mile version range aptera uh, now now i'm going to jump back to the beginning of the actual webinar as it was presented um, and go through the order of the segments as they discussed them the first segment that was discussed in the webinar was all about red viking the autonomous guided vehicle manufacturer and i'm going to play a clip that's, that's a, it's a it's around a minute long where chris explains the advantages of their platform
1: Basically robotic carts that the vehicle sits upon uh, and then it goes through now are currently designed 12 stations to assemble an Aptera in just under two hours. But the cool thing about these robots is they can be programmed for different tack times. So in the beginning if we're taking say 20 minutes per station you can program the robots to move 20 minutes per station and then as we speed up to 15 minutes to 10 minutes the, the vehicles can just move faster. Um, and if there's a problem on the line uh, say a part gets installed wrong or a part ends up, you know Obviously broken you can have the robot take the vehicle off the assembly line go over to a repair station And when the vehicle's ready again, it can move it back in the queue uh, to be ready for the next uh, assembly operation And as we grow Aptera and have more um, Aptera variants, um, you know um, assembly times may vary uh, between the variants um, as we get into maybe uh, bigger or different vehicles, uh, these carts are really adaptable over time. So it's not the traditional automotive plant that has overhead gantries that you have to install that cost millions and millions of dollars and aren't very flexible. Um, you've heard of you know factory changeovers in automotive past where it's taken you know, a factory almost a year just to change over from one line to another. And that's because all of this equipment has to be installed and it's very expensive and very cumbersome to uninstall and, and ramp up to a new and different kind of automotive. Motive line. For us, it's really just changing the programming of the robots, how the robots move through the factory. So um, it's been an amazing relationship, and I think uh, Pablo's been very happy about how the uh, manufacturing floors come together with Red Viking.
0: I think this is fairly straightforward, but the part that stood out to me was a reference to other Aptera variants, which is referring not only in my mind just to the different sized batteries, but also to the differently sized, the larger Aptera vehicles that they've teased in the past and that are part of their pipeline. Uh, I continue to be impressed, I've mentioned this at the top, with the way that they're future-proofing their company and future planning for what they're trying to do. The next segment dealt with the hub motors developed by Alafe. It's just simplistic. Uh, the motor is in the wheel. You get rid of, um,
1: you know, a centralized motor and a transaxle or a gearbox. You get rid of U-joints. You get rid of drive shafts. It's more aerodynamically efficient. It's more efficient at speed. Uh, it's just an amazing thing that makes, um, you know, the Aptera even more efficient. Uh, and I think we're just uh, so uh, so grateful to the team at Alafay for helping us uh, bring this to reality and bring this to the masses because I think this technology um, will make the world a better place.
2: We made the introductions, but, you know, as Chris said, it's a team, right? It's Pablo and the engineers who are working with them to make it happen. One of the things I'm super excited uh, that they're doing besides modifying the motor to physically meet our needs is the work that they're doing to make it more efficient uh, with the windings and the shape and everything of the wire. That's going to be a significant step function above where we are now in terms of the motor losses and efficiency, so I'm really excited to get these new motors.
0: I've brought this up in the past, but Aptoder, Aptera continues to challenge my conception of what is normal and what is an advantage versus disadvantage for features that are very common in the automotive industry. And hub motors are a perfect example. I think in the first few episodes of the podcast, I spent a lot of time speaking about the issue of unsprung weight that is, weight that's not supported by the main, the primary suspension of a vehicle. And how Aptera would be impacted by that with its hub motors, which would be adding a significant amount of unsprung weight. And while there are well-known performance issues um, from increasing, increasing unsprung weight, Chris gives a great summary of the efficiency gains that come from using these hub motors that are allowing you to remove parts. And what was even more impressive was that part I stitched together, you know, two clips from Chris and Steve, but Steve's part in the end where he talked about Alafe improving the efficiency of the motors. So they started with something that was a more efficient, the most efficient possible drivetrain. There's a reason why the other main or one of the other major solar electric vehicles, Lightyear, is using hub motors, also designed by Alafe. It's because if you're, if you're looking for efficiencies, this is one area where you can find it. Now, the next clip is going to be about uh, batteries, and there is some interesting information shared there
1: first pack uh, design that you saw a video on um, a couple weeks ago, our 41 kilowatt hour pack, 45 kilowatt hour pack, 41 kilowatt usable, um, is, uh, is just, you know, it'll be an amazing first offering for us and it'll be really cool to see those vehicles uh, rolling around. Um, and an amazing uh, relationship that we formed along the way uh, designing this battery pack is with Eve uh, Energy, uh, they're going to be one of our battery cell suppliers. Um, They've been uh, very helpful in uh, kind of cell characterization uh, over the last few months. uh, And we've been making uh, battery modules uh, and packs uh, with their cells that are going through uh, validation now. Um, They're giving us uh, 2170 NMC cells. Uh, The specific NMC chemistry is called 811. uh, But if you do your research, it's a very energy dense uh, chemistry uh, that works perfectly for our needs and gets us uh, tons of range and tons of energy density. And it's kind of the latest and greatest uh, in the
0: battery world. So first, uh, Chris revealed that the 41 kilowatt hour pack is actually a 45 kilowatt hour pack that will have 41 kilowatt hours of usable capacity, which raises some interesting questions about the the rest of the battery packs. Um, you know, I'll I'll have to check back in with uh, with Skyler to get his thoughts on the chemistry of the nickel manganese cobalt. Uh, or I guess the NMC 811 2170 cells. But the research that I did showed that it's a very popular option for electric vehicles because of its energy density. Moving on to the announcement about the partnership with EVE. That's fantastic news, and I'm also glad that we got more information on their supplier uh, Eve is based out of Guangzhou in, in China, and so I wonder if Aptera's Asia-Pacific CEO, uh, Jim Chu, has had his handiwork in negotiating that partnership agreement. Um, now, moving on to the the other parts of the webinar, um, you know, I didn't put the clip in there, but there was a section where they spoke about charging. And what Chris basically said was that they're going to be asking for the help of aptera owners i guess enthusiasts in forcing the adoption of the tesla charging standard he basically went through talked about the charging standards uh um and believes that the tesla charging standard is the most elegant solution so i'm not sure what that means to help force the adoption but perhaps there is some legislation that is upcoming that we will have we can you know i guess if you're in the united states you can weigh in on so i guess we'll have to stay tuned for the next few segments within the webinar, I, I'm not going to include any audio clips in there, but I did want to bring them up because there there's some some interesting information that was shared there. Um, you know, One, there was, there was a conversation about the suspension testing of the vehicle, as well as a conversation about the wheel covers. Um, for the suspension testing, uh, I guess they, they weren't able to record at the facility where they did that, but Steve did he chimed in to say that it was at a a notable facility. They performed a test that I thought was really interesting where they drove into a curb at 45 miles an hour to, I guess, see what would happen to the rest of the vehicle in terms of its structure and overall suspension. It resulted in a flat tire for the vehicle, but based on their examination of the impact on the vehicle suspension, they were clearly very happy and ready to move forward with that system. Then there was a clip uh, featuring Charles Kennett, who also featured previously in a video, I believe, with the Aptera Owners Clubs discussing the wheel covers, the front wheel covers. And basically, you know, they've tested the wheel covers, the resonance levels or vibration, and determined that I guess unless the vehicle is moving at 220 miles an hour, there's not going to be vibration resonance that is going to cause an issue. That's not exactly what he said that, but that was kind of my takeaway. Um and um, so I, I guess it's, it, it's it'll be sturdy enough and it won't be a, a problem. You know, they've basically made sure they're basically very happy with the wheel covers and they're happy with the suspension. The next segment, which I am going to include audio clips for, features Steve Fambro where he's speaking about the vehicle controls for the vehicle. And he showed how, once again, Aptera is leading the way in terms of innovation in efficiency of design. So take a listen to the clip where Steve explains what Aptera has done with the wiring harness and and Chris talks about the impact. We're
2: minimizing the amount of wiring that the vehicle uses. Um, And we're able to do that through a unique architecture that we've developed called the POU, Point of Use Controller. And they're very small, low cost, simple controllers that we've developed that we sprinkle around the vehicle, so to speak. And they handle the loads of sensors, lights, switches, relays, things like that locally so that we're not routing big wiring harnesses and lots of connectors all over the vehicle. So the net result is a wiring harness is smaller, it weighs less, and it has fewer connectors and connection points. So it's one of the things that help us deliver uh, on efficiency.
1: I'm amazed at some of Sandy Monroe's tear downs, and you see them pull the wiring harnesses out of some of these vehicles, and you're like, "Oh my, that's it's a lot of copper!" That's a lot of copper, you know, ninety, you know, plus pounds in some vehicles,
0: and you know, we can get it down to thirty pounds. This is the type of work that adds up to a vehicle that performs better, costs less, and is easier to maintain, which is, you know, Aptera. And when there's less materials, you reduce the number of inputs required. For the de- and the, the design complexity, it's just, it all snowballs together. Um, the, the, the next clip provides more context for the Yazaki partnership that was recently announced.
2: And uh, one of the things that we'd, we've announced uh, a short while back is our relationship now with Yazaki. Uh, they're helping us with those uh, newer, smaller wiring harnesses, uh, to the extent that they've even got their engineers here embedded with us. Uh, helping us deliver on that promise and uh, have these harnesses ready uh, for production.
1: Yuzaki's in half of all new cars sold so they're an amazing uh, company and I think they have amazing reach and it's uh, um, very cool that they're willing to uh, to help us uh, get this vehicle into production the right way on the wiring harness and connector side.
0: That clip takes me back to the first clip that I introduced in the podcast when Chris and Steve talked about how the ambitions have changed and how they've been able to work with companies that previously wouldn't really speak to them in the past. And Yazaki is exactly that type of company. They, The fact that they're present in half of all new vehicles, um, I, I looked them up, they're the 13th largest automotive supplier in the world. They have over 300,000 employees. And the fact that they're embedding staff at Aptera to improve the design really speaks volumes Chris made the comment I think in the the first clip that I shared in this podcast where he said you know they're dedicating resources to Aptera that they're not dedicating to other companies there's a reason for that and for me you know I'm biased but my suspicions is that people with engineering and business knowledge they look at Aptera and they want to have a piece of the pie on on the ground floor because they can see where they're going and maybe it's a drop in the bucket to to yazaki maybe to embed the staff but again there's a reason why they're working with aptera so closely and not doing these sort of partnerships with other companies now the next segment is sort of a follow-on to the localized control units that steve was speaking about it features jc grow who is a firmware engineer at aptera and had some some pretty cool reveals um, the first clip is where jc explains Um, you know, about the wiring complexity.
3: So the main goal of Aptera's body control design is to minimize the complexity of the wiring harness. In most vehicles, you would have all of the wires that you need for body controls, like the motor wires and the ajar sensor wires, and all of those would go towards a central computer. And you have that from every single point on the vehicle. So you end up with quite a lot of wires. With Aptera's design, we have smaller control boards that are located in the area of the controls they drive. So the door controller is going to be located in the door. And the rear hatch controller is going to be located in the rear hatch. This way, we can take all of these wires that come from the rear hatch, process and control them, and then we only have three wires total running from each location back to the central computing system
0: intuitively makes sense how their design could result in weight loss improvements and it makes sense why epterra pursued this solution and i will say in most of the segments there were things that you know maybe we knew about before such as there would be a video screen for the rear view mirror solution instead of just a reflective surface of a rear view mirror and that was mixed in with some new info like the fact that when they were showing the rear view video screen or mirror screen you could see that it was actually two side-by-side video feeds. There was a larger one on the right, which is more of what you would expect from a rear-view mirror, and then there was a smaller display on the left, which appeared to have a wider angle that looked like it was coming from a feed on the roof of the vehicle. And I'm wondering if you could swap the position so that you could have a larger uh, surface, I guess, real estate on the rear-view mirror screen taking up this wider angle, and maybe then the smaller one, you could swap it back and forth, or maybe that's fixed. something that i'll be curious to see going forward also it looks like the way that the windows will go up and down is through the infotainment system which i just i really hope that there will be also a, a physical control on the on the door or somewhere in the vehicle that would allow you to do that otherwise it would be pretty tricky and or dangerous to open and close the windows while driving basically you shouldn't do it because you would have to look away and look on that center screen to get a touch control, control to do that up and down. So I, I hope there's either, a, there's a button that would supplement that. You know, perhaps my favorite reveal um, from this segment um, and perhaps the webinar came in the following clip.
3: We also have a pretty unique way of getting into the vehicle. We have two different methods for unlocking the door and getting in. The first method is an RFID card that you would have where you pull it out of your pocket and then you can tap it against the door and it will authenticate that it's you with the card and it will open the door for you. We will also be having an app where you can authenticate who you are via Bluetooth. And then whenever you wanna open the door of the vehicle, you can just walk up and knock on the B pillar twice.
0: I think it was previously shared that if you used an app um, or that you'd use an app to unlock the car as opposed to having a physical key or, or fob, and that would be supplemented with RFID cards that you could give to someone such as a, a valet. However, the double knock to unlock the door if you have an app, that's a, that's a very cool uh, feature, just a, a nice little subtle touch that gives the, the vehicle some personality that it otherwise wouldn't have. The next segment is about, or in the, in the webinar, was about the solar development, which Steve and Chris provide some, some great insight into, um, into what they're doing. And so take a listen to this audio clip here.
2: When you're a solar electric vehicle company, it's uh, not surprising that one of the largest part of the technical endeavors is going to be solar. And so to that end, uh, Anuj and a solar team is one of the largest single group of engineers here at the company. And uh, I think it's the largest single uh, IP generating group. I think there's about 50 patents either filed or in play just with solar alone. And it was important, uh, it became apparent to us that it couldn't be a thing that we simply thought of as an afterthought or did in any half measure. Rather, we realized early on that we had to go all in and double down on our ownership of solar from working directly with the cell manufacturer uh, to raw material suppliers all over the world, uh, special test equipment manufacturers, and equipment manufacturers to help us make these very unique compound curved solar panels.
1: I think it's amazing to note that, um, you know, when we started testing the first solar panel two and a half years ago or so you know we kind of put it put it in vehicle configuration to try to figure out how much energy would we would create and we kind of looked at that we're like oh okay you know hopefully we can you know find somebody to build these solar panels for us and we learned very quickly that even you know the best solar experts in the world uh, were not going to be any help to us really in making automotive grade solar panels so right. we started very early on uh, with the and his team We've got we've to own this and figure out this challenge and, uh, and make uh, the, the world's first automotive-grade uh, solar technology. Yeah,
2: just on that point, uh, it's an important point. Even some of the experts, so-called experts, <clears throat> who've done this in very uh, public demonstrations with aircraft or vehicles or things like that, none of them have really given much effort at all to longevity. You know, what, how's this panel going to work in one year, much less 20 years? So this was a lot of new territory that Aptera, I think, was one of the first, along with some of the, maybe some of the newer companies out there to uncover. Uh, and that learning has just been a big part of the work. How do You, you can make something easy uh, that works for a month or a year. How do you make something that lasts for 20 years? That's what our team has been doing.
0: It's very interesting to me that solar was an area that they ended up having to keep basically entirely in-house and part of a vertically integrated operation because solar is a very mature technology. It's very well understood. And I would have expected that it may be just small tweaks would have been required in order to find essentially off the shelf parts or, and or suppliers who would be willing to, to work on it. In contrast, it's the, I guess reported it's their largest source of IP generation that they've had internally in terms of patents. And they've basically had to do everything uh, on, their, on their own. This takes me back to, there was a suggestion, I think Aptera Owners Club was talking about potential partnership between Aptera and Lightyear. And, you know, this is something that I would imagine Lightyear, Aptera, Sona Motors, and anyone who's very serious about solar integration and solar electric vehicles, this, this is definitely an area for partnership because... You know, the cells are the cells. They're going to need to be durable. They're going to need to be curved so that you can shape them to do fit on a, a vehicle. And I imagine that there could be a lot that could be shared there. What I am curious about is whether the range numbers they predicted a couple of years ago will still line up with their durability testing. Now, the next segments of the webinar were focused on the aerodynamics of the gamma prototype. And there was actually, it was reposted in a separate video by Aptera and you can listen to Chris Anthony's dulcet tones as he speaks through how they've changed the overall shape and rather than playing the audio clip for that um you know I'm just going to talk through my my link or my reaction to that and I'm going to link to that separate aerodynamics video in the show notes the basically that discussion it's very visual heavy and I don't think it would really translate into what he's saying you really just need to see it um now going back into in my initial reactions if you look at the before and after images of of what they changed between the alpha prototype and what the, what is now gamma um, what you can see is is that you know the it basically to me looks like they've they've squeezed the vehicle and it looks like the gamma prototype is slightly more close it, it hugs the ground a little bit more than the the alpha prototype um, which is interesting um, it it also looks like that not just the belly of the vehicle is closer to the ground, it looks like the front wheel covers are a little bit closer to the ground as well, which to me looks like Aptera would have a pretty hard time going over even, you know, even the lowest curbs or, or obstacles. And I'm curious as to what would happen um, when going over a, um, you know, a, a speed bump, you know, I, I guess... Well, I guess if the suspension for the wheels themselves are, are tied to the wheel covers, they'll also move up. But it was something that I think to keep an eye on. Um, it, it, I, I think I, I, I like how it looks, and you can see it, it's easier to understand how there would be more room for the passengers in terms of the way they increase the frontal area um, near where a passenger's head would be by, by 1%. Um, and you can also see that it's a, you can see that it's a little bit longer. I think the rear wheel cover is... Uh, you know, saying dramatic makes it sound bigger than it is, but it's some you can see some of the bigger changes in the way that they've kind of cut off material, and you can see what it looks like. What's really interesting to me is that it looks like the windshield is at a slightly less shallow angle. I guess you could say it's slightly more vertical than it was before. And to me, you know, an untrained expert, that would seem to be less aerodynamic, but it's interesting that overall um that has improved the aerodynamics and you can see uh, how that would improve the viewing angles for both the the driver and the passenger the last thing i'll note is that there used to be there were three dots that were by the aptera glogo um, uh, by the door and those appear to be no longer present on the gamma prototype uh, it was speculated or, or stated by aptera like a year ago that the dots would do different things to indicate um, opening, closing the vehicle, or unlocking, locking the vehicle, and they would do some cool stuff there. But it looks like they they've removed um, that that feature. Um, I'm not too bothered about it, um, but it was just something that I noticed. Uh, the exterior dis- discussion of the vehicle and aerodynamics transitioned into an interior discussion. Featuring APTERA's chief designer um, Jason Hill, which unfortunately there was not a separate video accompanying that that I that he could link to, link to. However, I will provide my my reaction, and I would say that overall, I I really loved it. Um, uh, I think the seats look way more comfortable than the original designs, and with the Vision Forward system. That screen behind the the steering half wheel—it looks like it's wider than I realized it was before, and it's easier to picture how clear it would be to to glance at and see what's what's in the the left or right side view mirrors. I will say that I you know I I think it's important to highlight that as as um, I guess natural and as as. Um, as well as the half wheel may work for that vision forward system, it, this still does not address the fact that there are people with disabilities who use specific attachments for full steering wheels that will not be able to use them on a steering half wheel or a yoke. And so even though it may be very convenient for this specific use case, it may be comfortable The materials to hold. Personally, the way I drive, I hold the bottom of a steering wheel. And so I can see how that, that there are still plenty of people with valid concerns about how, how they would be able to drive an Aptera. Now jumping into some new info, um, check out this clip from the discussion of the interior right here. There's modules
4: that make up what we would call the center council, and those modules are going to be variable. You'll be able to choose different types. Um, we're producing our first modules for the show vehicle, uh, gamma show vehicle, out of a wonderful material, which is essentially pineapple leather. And it's the first of many materials that we're using that are either friendly, uh, carbon neutral, such as our cork in in our center council cup holder. Um, We've got automotive grade for safety reasons on the rest of our materials, but we're chasing always the best color, material, and finish options. We're working with some of the most innovative companies and forward-looking, forward-thinking companies and we really are excited about
0: the, uh, the ambience and the feel of our interior. This is interesting to learn about the customizability of the interior materials, as well as the modules for the center console. If I'm interpreting Jason correctly, It sounds like there will be options to change both the materials and the functionality of the area where the armrests are in between the two passengers. Presumably, that means that you could maybe opt for extra storage, maybe a wireless charging area, or maybe just empty space. I'm I'm just speculating here, but that's what it sounds like to me. And I'm excited to learn that they're they're keeping with the sustainability ethos of the company with the material options. One more cool reveal. Check out this clip.
4: But we're able now um, to experience the vehicle in, in virtual reality, and it brings a whole nother level, I, I think it was really important that we got that to you. I, I think it was last week, I sent you the file, sent the instructions, and the next morning the email returned from Steve was, wow. And we expect that everybody gets a wow out of Aptera. It's so nice to be in public, like at Electrify Expo, and people just are like, wow. So the virtual part of the factory, the virtual part of the vehicle, I think we'll be able to share with our customers uh, and our future and potential customers that VR experience beyond the physical product.
0: It looks like there are plans for a VR experience for both the vehicle and the factory at some point, and I'm excited. Since since I already own a VR headset, it will be far easier for me to experience what it's like in an Aptera without traveling to the San Diego area on the west coast of the United States. Uh, I have so many small questions about vehicle, about sitting in the vehicle that can't really be answered in, in a webinar. It, they can only be answered in person and, and the next closest thing to in person is, is I guess a, a VR version and you know that will allow me to see what it's like for me to be in the vehicle. So I'm, I'm pretty excited to check this out. It was during this conversation that um, they confirmed the, that they have um, added solar panels to the hood of the vehicle, which I discussed way back in episode 50. And then Jason let slip that the hood wasn't the only area with the extra panels. Now, Chris cut him off from revealing that secret, but it made me take a closer look at the solar segment of, of the webinar. And if you look closely at around the 24-minute, 13-second mark of the webinar, you can see the solar rear hatch. Which, If you look really closely, it looks to me like it has a different design from the one that you'd see on the website when you're ordering a vehicle. Now, if I'm counting things correctly, it looks like there are four extra cells on the right side of the vehicle, which means eight total cells um, overall on the rear hatch have been added. Um, all in all, um, if, if that's correct, you know I've said multiple times that I'm not interested in the rear hatch solar because I'd like to be able to look behind me and see out of the vehicle. But having said that, you know, the the practical value of the maximum solar package is is just going up and up. And I I think the hood and the the roof option that I've gone with, I'm supposed to get 22 miles a day charging from that. If I get about half that on an average day, 10 miles is great. But, you know, if, if we're talking about, you know, maximum possible 45, 50 miles a day, and then on a bad day, on a cloudy day, you'd get 20. You know, I may have to rethink that. The, the last clip that I'm going to include um, from the webinar is about warranties and servicing.
1: We'll be announcing uh, warranty specs as we get closer to production. Uh, it really uh, leans on our uh, supply chain. Um, obviously a lot of the warranty stuff is passed through so we kind of have to completely lock our bill of materials and all the supply agreements to finalize uh, our warranty program Uh, but we'll be announcing that closer to production and our service and support i think you know we we're building a very modular uh, vehicle that uh, that should be very easy to repair uh, but we realize you know things happen so not just being um, you know right to repair company uh, that can provide you information parts uh, and support uh, but having uh, you know regional service centers and kind of our mobile service uh, will be important uh, over time uh, obviously we can tell where our order densities are and you know we'll basically place those uh, service centers and support uh, services uh, where, where our highest orders are
2: yeah and there's, there's parts of that plan that are coming together uh, and some decisions to be made still on whether they're maybe trained, vetted, credential partners or whether it's Aptera Run. And we're, we're working through both of those things.
0: I wanted to include this clip in here because I think that vehicle servicing is an area where electric vehicles present major barriers to the adoption over internal combustion engine vehicles. Traditional automakers vastly outperform every electric vehicle startup in terms of the way they service internal combustion engine vehicles um and i've also seen reporting that traditional automakers basically you know give their electric vehicle offerings you know they don't really give them the attention they deserve either so no one is really doing a good job it seems with servicing of electric vehicles and there's a lot of people out there who are unhappy about that and as chris says things happen so it will be critical for, you know, Aptera, they're innovating in so many different ways If they can also innovate in terms of servicing so that, you know, the enduring image of electric vehicles is a huge pain to own when they when they should be more simple, they should be, you know, lower maintenance in everything, it should be easier. And so getting this right, getting the service centers, and, and the supplies and the parts and the tools to fix the vehicles that that will be critical. Um, all in all, This was an incredibly dense webinar that was packed with information. Um, I didn't come anywhere close to going through the entirety of it, especially the Q&A section. Um, They answered many of the questions that I had while leaving some others open. For example, we still don't know whether or not they have changed their minds about uh, wrapping the vehicles as opposed to getting a paint shop. uh, My suspicion is that they are definitely keeping with the wrap. There there will be no painting of the vehicle going Forward, um, now that the 400 mile version um, of the vehicle was is revealed to have a 45 kilowatt hour pack, 41 kilowatt hours usable. You know, you we don't know about what the final sizes uh, for the 600 and 1000 mile uh, versions will have, and if that will impact pricing. Yeah, you I think we learned that the 250 mile range version will have a 23 kilowatt hour battery pack and that means that it it could still have a 25 kilowatt hour battery pack it could be just 23 kilowatt hours is usable of that pack that gives you that 250 miles of range Um, also you know they said that they don't know yet but it was basically confirmed that the all-wheel drive version will have a shorter range than a two-wheel drive version um, what I mean they don't know is what the exact numbers, what the exact range hit will be. That's consistent with every electric vehicle, every car that's ever been made. But you know, it's something that that I've been wondering about um, since I I opted for the all wheel drive version. Uh, my you know my main reasoning for that is that I, I want the increased handling stability that comes from the all wheel drive version, especially. Um, if I have to drive it in inclement weather. Um, you know, Jason Hill mentioned that there's still some mysteries yet to reveal about the vehicle, so we don't know what those are. Um, you know, some good news on the development front, Jason Hill also stated that they're they're going to be building, I think, a physical version of the, of the Gamma prototype soon. I think he said within the next four weeks. And so I, I guess within the sec- next month or so, we should be able to see something beyond just the rendering of the vehicle. And I'm really looking forward to seeing it in VR as well. Let me know what you thought about the webinar. You can reach me either via email at podcast at gmail.com, or, or you can find me on Twitter at apt underscore podcast. Really curious about what you thought. And that concludes episode 66 of the Apt EVs podcast. I hope that you found this episode interesting. If you enjoy the podcast, please tell a friend so that we can continue to grow the Aptera movement. Um, also, my referral link is included in the show notes, which you can use for $30 off your $100 refundable deposit for an Aptera. The apt ev's podcast is available on all major podcasting platforms, including Apple, Google Podcasts, Anchor FM, which hosts the podcast itself. If you have any questions or feedback, including corrections, please send those to apt podcast at gmail.com, or you can find me on Twitter at apt underscore EVs Podcast. You can also send audio messages through the podcasting website. Thank you to OS50 for the song movies. And in the words of Jeff Kanata, think about what you put out into the world, make it a better place.